So as we get started on today's message, I'm actually going to give you this entire series in one nugget that you will be able to take with you and you will be able to remember the overarching theme of this entire series and it ties in with what Kent and Elizabeth just sang about surrender. Sometimes in church you see people worshiping, singing with their hands raised or a a posture of openness like this. Sometimes hop high, sometimes just down low, sometimes too slow. Uh, But you, you get the idea that that is a posture of worship and surrender. It's also the way that I'm gonna help you to remember the whole theme of this message. So I want everybody just to play along and just hold your hands like this in this open-handed posture. Everybody put your hands out. All right, very good. I'm looking. Now, in this posture, two things can happen. Because your hands are open, somebody can put something in your hands. And because your hands are open, somebody can take something out of your hands. This is the posture of surrender. I give it all to you, Lord. This is also the posture by which he blesses us. He puts things in our lives. And so this posture will remind you of the theme for this message, the practices, the the series, the practices that are associated with going and making a difference. And basically what happens is you have this posture and God has placed things in your hands, your resources, your talents, your abilities, your skills, your experiences, all of those things that make up who you are and what you have become, that is in your hands. And what you do with an open-handed posture is you offer it back to the world. What God has placed in your hands, you offer back to your brothers and sisters in Christ and the world around you. That is your service, your ministry to the world. An open hand, which God places stuff in and you offer it back to him in service. You can put your hands down now. So that is the message of the entire Praxis Go series. So if you haven't already, I'll just remind you, especially for those that are watching or listening to the message, to check in. We want to be able to stay in touch with you. We send a couple of emails. We'll let you know what's going on in the church. We will keep you up to date so that we can encourage you as you take your next steps with Christ. As followers of Jesus, what we do is we follow the pattern of Jesus. And we've seen this a lot over the last couple of weeks, knowing God, growing together, going and making a difference. We see Jesus pulling aside on his own to commune with his heavenly father. We see him gathering disciples that he could apprentice. We see him not only meeting those needs that he encounters himself, but also sending his disciples out to meet those needs. So in this, the first part of praxis, we focused on communing with God, knowing God. And we talked about the different practices associated with that. 
in this series, we're going to focus on the practices that are associated with going and making a difference. Again, praxis comes from the Greek word for our course of action, our way of acting, the rhythms of grace. If you look at your growth guide, you'll see I gave you an overview of the next steps and practices for knowing God. We shorthand it with saying yes. The ordinances are baptism and communion, which we just talked about. The practice is daily reading and responding to God's word through life journaling or some other daily devotional habit. That's something you do on your own. Then there's the next step of worship, worshiping together weekly, what we're doing right now in gathering together. If you want, say yes is kind of our shorthand for, and knowing God is kind of our shorthand for the discipleship process. That's becoming a disciple of Jesus, following Jesus, doing what Jesus would do if he were in your shoes. Now, the next step, grow together, we'll come back to that at another time. But we're going to skip down to going and making a difference. The next step, the first next step associated with that is serving. And the core practice, the thing that we do is we serve on a team monthly. That's the core practice. If you are a part of Cornerstone, it's an important part of being a part of the church family to contribute through your service. So the question that we're really asking and answering in this is how can church be more effective and enjoyable? How can we not only get the most out of church, but how can we become the most impactful church possible? And we do that by serving one another. What we're really talking about today is ministry. Ministry and service are the same word in the New Testament. Uh, It just depends on how it's translated, but we're talking about how ministry happens. And I've talked before about how while I have the privilege of doing this as a full-time job, we have uh, all kinds of ministers in our church because every member is a ministry. The pattern, the uh, model of church that many people have, are more familiar with is there's a group of people who hire a minister a pastor to do the work of the ministry. They decide what needs to be done and then they hire somebody to do it. That's a very common model. It's also a very broken and unbiblical model in my humble but accurate opinion. Uh, The model that you see in the New Testament is not a laity clergy, a distinction. It's we're all in this together All of us are ministers. All of us are gifted. All of us have a place of service. And since that's the design of the church, if it's worked the other way, it doesn't work that other way. It is broken. It is not effective. And it's certainly not enjoyable. So, We are talking about, bottom line today, that serving is a necessity. If the church is going to work the way it's supposed to, if we're going to accomplish our mission, serving is a necessity. And I want you to see that serving is commanded, that it is beneficial, and that it is needed. And that's why I will challenge everyone that considers Cornerstone 
a, their home church and everyone who is a part of a church, no matter what your home church is, to serve on a team monthly. We're going to look at a couple of different scriptures. They're shorter passage, but there are several of them. I'm going to read three of them to get you started, and then we'll come back to the next one. Let me remember how I want to read this. Okay, so let's start first with Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. This is kind of the main passage that we'll be looking at. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. I'm going to read this one from the New Living Translation. Philippians 2, 1 to 11. Listen to what Paul says to the church at Philippi. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit? In other words, do you have any of these things in your congregation? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. And then this is the key. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Then the apostle Peter writing to the churches, this is 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 7 to 11 this one I'm going to read from the Christian Standard Bible. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded for prayer. Above all, maintain constant love for one another since love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Now back to the New Living Translation for Galatians chapter 5. Just two verses, verse 13 and 14. But they're good ones. Listen to this. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another 
in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Let's pray. Lord, we prayed a lot today because we need you. We recognize you as the source of all inspiration. We know that if we're going to get it, we have to hear from you. So I pray, Lord, that as we look at these passages and study your word, that you would speak to each one of us so that we might know what you are saying to us individually and personally, and also what we should do with what we've heard. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so this is really cool. This passage, the first one that we looked at, Philippians chapter two, where it talks about the attitude of Christ ties into this really well. I think it's kind of the foundation for understanding why serving is a necessity and why it is commanded. The first point, if you're taking notes in your growth guide, is that serving is commanded. Look at when he's about to introduce Christ's example. He says, adopt. That's an imperative. In other words, you're going to adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. In other words, if you're following Jesus, you need to have the same attitude of Jesus. You're going to reflect Jesus to the world. So what do we see in Jesus that is supposed to be reflected in us? Who... Jesus existing in the form of God. In other words, we don't, it's hard for us to understand, but God is a Trinity. There is one God existing in three persons, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So Jesus always is and was God, always will be God. He did not lose his divinity when he came to earth. He existed in the form of God. All of the power, all of the glory, all of the strength, everything, every benefit associated with that is his. But he did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. I love that translation. Translation. The Christian Standard Bible. Um, uh, some translations talk about uh, grasps held onto, but this is the idea of just, I'm going to put it in my own words. God in Jesus could do whatever and however he liked because he's God. And he could leverage that power for his own purposes, for his own pleasure, but in order to serve creation, the people that he created and loved, he was willing to empty himself of that privilege. And rather than exploiting it for his purposes, employ it for our benefit. That's what he did. And, and that's what it talks about as it goes on. Instead, he, Jesus, emptied himself by just kind of set all of that privilege, all of that power aside by assuming the form of a, what's that word? Say it out loud. Servant. Servant. He's the Lord, but he took on the form and the role of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. So I think that's what's going on here. It's commanded, yes, 
But who is, who is our model? Who is the one that we benefit from his service? It's Jesus. He didn't look at his divinity as something to be exploited for his purposes. It, it was in his hands. But instead, he offered himself, emptied himself in service to, in ministry to, for the benefit of us. Let's look at that second passage. It starts out with the end of all things is near. Now, a lot of times, you know, I'm hearing this a lot more recently. Oh, we must be in the end times. Jesus is about to return. We are in the end times. It started when Jesus ascended into heaven 2,000 years ago. It will continue until he returns again. It may be tomorrow. It may be before I finish this message. It may be 2,000 years or more. We don't know, but we're always ready for it. And it's like walking along that edge. You've seen me do that illustration before. And anytime we could step off into eternity. And in that sense, the end of all things is near. So what is the apostle Peter's prescription? Study prophecy more, figure out who the world leader is that's going to be the antichrist. No, that's not, I mean, that's, that's fine if you want to spend some time doing that. But what is his focus? Be alert and sober-minded in prayer, watch and pray. And then above all, in other words, top priority, because we are on the edge of eternity, here's what I want you to do. Maintain constant love for one another since love covers a multitude of sins. And then what he, what he's, what he goes on to explain is that he's talking about taking the gifts that God has placed in your hands. And one of the ways that we love others is we give that away. We deploy that in service to one another. We do things that are going to benefit one another. Now, how do I know this is what he's talking about? Because these verses that I just looked at, if you look around all around, remember context is king. That's such an important part for understanding the scriptures. You look at the different verses around this. It's all about serving one another. Look at verse 10. We're in eight. This is verse 10. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts, use them well to serve one another. What is he saying there? God has given you stuff, give it away. Deploy it in service to one another. In the Galatians passage, the apostle Paul says the same thing. Use your freedom to serve one another in love. The whole theme of Galatians is freedom, that you are not bound to trying to please God by checking off a to-do list because Jesus already filled out the one item on the to-done list. He died on the cross for your sins. It's done. So you have great freedom in that. But that freedom, and, and listen for the parallels to the Galatians passage, to the Ephesians passage, that freedom that you have, that liberty that you have is not to please yourself. It's to follow the pattern of Jesus and to serve one another. Just like Jesus didn't think his power as God was to be exploited for his benefit, he instead realized that he needed to empty himself in service to others. So service is a necessity, it's commanded, but why is it commanded? 
You see, I think this is the part that will help people to, to if, if you can get your mind around this, your relationship with God will, will dramatically improve. So many times people think that things are commanded because God is a great big killjoy in the sky. And anytime he sees anything good happening or anything fun happening, he wants to stump it flat because we don't allow that. We don't like that. They've met some church people, I think, right? So, but, but this, is, this is God's design. It's like a loving parent. I want certain things for my kids. I want certain things not for my kids. There are certain things I love when I see them doing it. Some things, ugh. why? Because I'm controlling, because I want to, no, because I can see how some things are gonna benefit and some things are gonna hurt. And I want what's best for my children. I want, I, and, and if I, in my failed, pitiful way, can do that sometimes, how much more does a perfect, loving, heavenly father want what is good for us? So serving is commanded, I think in part because serving is beneficial. How is it beneficial? Well, part of God's way of blessing his people is by giving gifts to his people so that they can pass it out to his other people. And that's why I said in that context of 1 Peter chapter 4, it's all about serving others by taking what you've been given and blessing others with it. Let's look at those verses. Verse 9 is talking about hospitality. Careful, cheerfully serve your home, share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. In other words, God has given you a home. God has given you food. How can you leverage that for the benefit of others? When I was on sabbatical about five years ago, that was the theme that I felt like God had placed in my heart, that the rest of my life was supposed to be about leveraging what God has placed in my hands, the, the way that he has made me for the benefit of others and for the advancement of his kingdom. That's, my, that's what I do. That's what I aim to do. Whatever I do is to try to leverage whatever God has placed in my hands for the benefit of others and the advancement of God's kingdom. So if God's given you a home, if God's given you food and you encounter somebody who needs a place to stay or something to eat, then maybe that's why God has placed something in your hand. He goes on to say, same kind of thing. Do you have the gift of speaking? He's talking about spiritual gifts here that God in, uh, gifts every follower of Jesus with certain supernatural abilities in order to serve others. If you have the gift of speaking, then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God provides. Do you, can you see this theme? God gives something to you, you give it away. God gives something to you, you bless others with it. It is the way that God blesses and provides for others is by giving us stuff to give away. And then the summary statement, then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. When this happens, do you know who gets the credit? Not you, God does. Because he's the one that's provided it. And when people receive it, they recognize, yeah, God is using you for my benefit. It's the way that he benefits us. It's beneficial. But there's a second aspect to this. Not only is it the way that he blesses the people around you, it's also, I think, one of the primary ways 
that he blesses you. It's one of the key ways that he blesses you. You remember that verse that's talking about when God is, uh, if you have the gift of speaking, then speak as if it were the very words of God. You will have an experience as a follower of Jesus, if you're following Jesus, where you're talking to someone and you are trying to help them, you're trying to encourage them, you're meeting some kind of need, and you will recognize, where did that come from? That that wasn't for me. I'm not that smart. Or, you know, or you just recognize that in the midst of that conversation, it's not just one person talking to another, but God is actually empowering and using you to tell that person something that they need to hear. And once you have that experience serving, helping with the strength and power that God provides, you won't want to go back to doing it any other way. I, I used to illustrate this um, in a class that I taught about, net, uh, about spiritual gifts by saying, when I was growing up, I used to get the, the cheapest tennis shoes and just whatever was on sale and the no-name brands. But of course, being a teenager going into high school, it became important for me to not do that anymore. And I remember the day I got my first pair of Nikes and I put them on and it was just different, right? And no, I'm not wearing my Nikes today, but, uh, but I, I have never bought a cheap pair of tennis shoes again. Why? Because I had experienced what it was like to have a good pair of shoes that fit me well and I didn't want to go back to the other. For some of you, serving is like that. You recognize God is using me. God is empowering. God is blessing the people around me. It is a blessing to the people around me because of what God has given me. And I don't ever want to go back and do it the other way again. Doing it out of obligation, guilt, filling a role because somebody made you or just because they asked. No, no. I want to do, I want, I want that experience of God ministering and serving the people around me through what he has given me. Makes me think of Acts chapter 20. This is one of the quotes of Jesus, words from Jesus that is not included in the gospels. It's included in Acts verse 35 of chapter 20. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself who said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. One of the uh, paradoxes that St. Francis of Assisi points out, it is in giving that we receive. It's beneficial to others and it's beneficial to us. So serving is a necessity. If things are going to work the way that's supposed to work, we got to serve. It's commanded. Part of the reason it's commanded, I think, is because it's beneficial to the people around you. That's how God's going to meet their needs and it's beneficial to you. But it's also needed. It's needed. It isn't going to work any other way unless we serve one another. And for that, I'm going to read to you a couple of verses out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is another passage on spiritual gifts. Verse 7 is, I think, the primary verse on spiritual gifts. It's the way we understand why God gives spiritual gifts, what they're for. Here's verse 7. A spiritual gift is given to each of us. He's writing to believers saying, every single one of you that's a follower of Jesus, 
God has gifted you. He has placed something in your hands. So that, what's the purpose? He's given a gift to each of us so we can help each other. So we can help each other. So that we can bless each other. Verse 12. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews. Some of us are Gentiles. Some are slaves. Some are free. But we all have been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share that same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that doesn't make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? Verse 18, but our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. So, by paralleling our gifts within the body of Christ to the parts of the body that make up a physical human body, he is saying we need every part. We need every part to each one, every one of us. For what reason? For the common good. That's the New International Version of verse 20, verse 7, chapter 12, verse 7. For the common good. That means, think about this, if each one of us does not know and manifest the Spirit by serving, by using our gifts that God has given us for the benefit of others and to, to bring about his kingdom, then we're not going to have the common good. We're going we're gonna to be missing something. There's something that's going to be lacking. Again, the illustration. Our bodies have many parts, but God has placed each part just where he wants it. You all have different spiritual gifts. You all have different things that God has placed in your hands. But if you don't use that to serve others, we suffer. And God has arranged each part of the body exactly, puts it just where he wants it. What I, what I think he's saying there is whatever gifts you have, just because you don't have my gift or I don't have your gift, that, that doesn't matter. Each part is important. Just like your ears are important to your eyes, your eyes are important to the whole body, your hands, your feet, every part of you is necessary and needed. Every part of you in the body of Christ is necessary and needed. It's needed. That's why this is how he ends it up. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can, can't say to the feet, I don't need you. And we can't say to anyone else in the body of Christ, I don't need you. We'll, we'll be okay without your contribution. And so we need to look at ourselves and realize that if we're not serving, if we're not up employing and deploying our gifts, then they're needed and others are gonna suffer 
if we don't have that. So why, why is church sometimes unenjoyable? Because so few people are doing so much of the work. Why is it not as effective? You know, why don't we have a this or shouldn't we be doing that? Well, yeah, we probably should. We're suffering. But why do we suffer? Because not everybody, there's, there's the, what's it called? The Pareto principle, 80% of the people are, or no, 20% of the people are doing 80% of the work. What if we flip that around? What if, what if just everybody that, that considered the church, their home church was serving, was figuring out, I'm going to be a part of this team. I'm going to serve in this way. What would that look like? We'd be, we'd be so healthy. We'd be so effective. It would be so enjoyable. So that's why I'm going to challenge everyone. Some of you, uh, you know, there's, there's that 20%. You're, you're, you're working hard. You know what you're doing. You've got multiple roles. You're wearing multiple hats. What, what, if, what if we in those positions started giving those hats away and started raising up people, inviting people to serve, bringing them in? What if everybody was just like showing up and saying, I'm ready to serve. How can I help? Uh, maybe, maybe it's not a role, but you see something that needs to be done. You jump right in and do it. Maybe it's like Sue Ellen gets up and says, hey, we're restarting children's ministry. I would love it if every person in our church had some part to play in children's ministry. And you don't know what that is. You know, maybe it's not working with children. Maybe it's doing something, but everybody playing a role. What would our church look like if that were going to happen? That's how ministry happens. Serving is a necessity. Serving is commanded. Serving is beneficial and serving is needed. So there are many different ways we serve. Not all of them are official ways, but some of them are. So I'm gonna challenge you, if you are not already serving on a team, an identifiable role at our church, sign up for that. Circle serve on your check-in. Mark the box if you're doing it online and we will help you to find a place of service. If you are already serving, who do you have around you that you can invite to be a part of what you're doing so that they can be included in what God is doing? That is our next step. That is your next step. And let me end by saying thank you. For a small church, a young church, like we are, we have an incredible level of participation. We serve really well, and you guys go above and beyond more often than I can count. Let's make it so that everybody has that experience and everybody is a part of the ministry of our church. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would Make us a people who are a kingdom of priests, a, a, a church that's full of every member who is a minister so that you can meet the needs in our congregation and beyond and we can experience the joy and pleasure of serving in the power that you provide. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you, have a great week.